Good evening and welcome to another edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. My name is Jack Mancini and I'm dutifully sitting here at 7 p.m. on Wednesday evening, like I always am. And I'm here with my illustrious partner. He's uh, been coaching, business coaching with me for over 15 years. And we're here tonight to talk about dirty secrets of small business. And those small businesses are 1 to 25 employees, any any industry. We've probably seen, I don't know what industries we haven't seen yet. It's uh, We've seen them all. I hate to say it like that, but we have. Anyway, we're here to uh, talk about a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I heard someone, I'm going to introduce my illustrious partner here in a second. You know, I heard someone say they didn't hire a job candidate because they were overqualified. This job candidate was overqualified and would quit the first chance they got another job. Okay. With that little setup, I'm going to introduce my partner here, Adam Sunholder, and we're going to talk about overqualified people who you don't hire because of a lot of myths and nonsense. And we'll tell you why that is. But Adam Sunhalter, welcome to uh, Dirty Secrets of Small Business with me. And we're here right on time. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. You know, you you lost me a duty fully. Dutifully? Yeah. People always laugh and hear the word duty. Dutifully. Dutifully. I don't know. I got distracted easily. Yes, we're, we're happy to be here to talk about lots of good stuff tonight. And we'll get to your question here in a second. But I want to thank our audience for being here again. We always appreciate having you on board. Now, whether you're listening live here, we're on the air from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern here out in Willoughby, or if you're listening on the podcast, you can always be part of the show, and you're always welcome to be part of the show. Lots of ways to do that. Uh, we've got Sean sitting by on the boards tonight. He's waiting for phone calls at 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. Uh, you can email us, radio at MaximumVP.com, or you can tweet at us. Three ways to do that is at MaximumVP. For Jack Mancini, it's at Jack M M V P, and for me, it's at Adam Sonhalter. So lots of ways for you to be part of the show. If you want to react to some of the things that we're talking about, if you want to share some stories of your own that relate to what we're talking about, or if you have things that we talked about before or, or, or other topics, we're happy to address other topics that relates to anything related to the, the dirty secrets of small business, Jack. It's always a fun topic to talk about. So this silly person, and it's not silly, it's very common, unfortunately, Jack, of not wanting to hire somebody because of what? They're overqualified? They're overqualified. Where in the world did that strategy, or and it's a widespread strategy, with uh, major corporations as well as small businesses. And it's crazy. And I'd say it's crazy for this reason. Here you have a job to fill, and somebody comes along and applies for that job, and their experience is such where they were paid much more in a previous job and they had responsibilities and then they performed excellent. The fact that they're leaving that former job is, is they have legitimate reasons. They're a good candidate, an excellent candidate. And the hiring person is going to say, no, we got to scratch them off because they're overqualified. They're going to quit as soon as they get a job that pays them much more. Now, what we've seen in our experience, and our experience is extensive, is that they will add tremendous value for a short period of time, even if they quit. And you could ask them that in the interviewing process. Let's say you're the candidate, Adam, and I say, what, uh, 
geez, you're overqualified for this job. Your experience and compensation is uh, far exceeds the requirements that we have. Uh, if we do hire you, are you going to leave as soon as you find another job and be honest? Because we could structure something to employ you for several months while you do look for another job. And we have seen time and time again when these situations pop up and you hire this overqualified person, they add values in ways we can't even explain. It's, it's, it, it certainly depends on the job and the experience, but a good person, and we have this as a challenge, trying to define to our clients what a good person is. You know, in our business coaching, we, again, as I said earlier, we've seen hundreds of clients across all industries. And when you can get a real good one, take them, if even only for a few months, because they'll make an impact before they leave, and it'll be a positive one more often than not. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of situations that, that would lead to something like this happening. And as we're talking about this right now, Jack, one of the first things popping into my mind is a great movie from the 19, I think it's 1970s, Kramer versus Kramer. Maybe oh, it's early yeah. 1980s. Right. I think it won an Academy Award for the movie, maybe for, for acting for, for Dustin Hoffman. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's a story of, of Dustin Hoffman uh, and Meryl Streep, who are a couple who live in New York. They have a young son who's probably, I don't know, five or six, something like that. And Dustin Hoffman is an advertising executive, and um, he's, you know, as is often the case in New York, working kind of crazy hours. Uh, Meryl Streep plays the mother, and she's um, you know, taking, care of, taking care of the child until one day she just can't take it anymore, and she just leaves. And as you might imagine, it kind of turns... Uh, Dustin Hoffman's character's world as well as his son's world upside down and, and what happens is he starts taking on the role of you know kind of being Mr. Mom to a certain extent having to take, take him to, to birthday parties and play dates and you know just everything all the things that he was probably missing out on and one of the things it was doing was causing some issues with his current job and so he wound up getting um, getting laid off and as Meryl Streep's character came back in um, she wanted the, wanted the child back, and so also they went for a custody battle. And as you might imagine, one of the, the worst things to do in a custody battle is show up in court unemployed. And so here they show Dustin Hoffman during the Christmas season, literally going to every place on you know on uh, on Madison Avenue he can find. And there's one scene where there's a, there's that uh, Christmas party that's going on, and it's a guy he knows and comes in. He's got his portfolio there ready to kind of go and the the, the job he's he, he's applying for i mean he was what he was a senior level guy he's applying for like an entry-level artist position kind of thing right he's like i just need a job and the guy said that, he's like you know again you're so overqualified for this job and this he's like i need the job you know i mean he, he really needed the job you know and so here here they were getting this tremendously qualified overqualified person and uh, there are a lot of reasons why these uh, the, the people made up here you know and, and in this case, it was because of what was going on in his, in his personal life where all of a sudden things were changing a bit. But, again, it doesn't impact his him being a good person. As you mentioned, good people, Jack. Him being a good person, a good, very qualified person, very capable person. And just all of a sudden he appeared. And so, you know, I think what people will often see and uh, you know, as we talk with a lot of owners, often it's, hey, I can't afford that person. That's often what we'll hear. And we'll, we'll often count on that. So, look, you know, if we've laid out, hey, we have a, a job here and we're going to pay 40000 bucks for that job, okay, well, that's what you're going to pay the person to start with, okay, because that's what that job entails. Now, if they want to take that, again, this is on them. And so your, your point, Jack, having a very uh, direct 
conversation up front during the interview process to kind of structure things that, that, that are going to work. But here's what, what we're able to afford for this role. If you want to take it, again, why wouldn't you take that, right? It's Why, why wouldn't you? I agree, Adam. Why wouldn't you take a, a chance with a situation like that? The trouble is that with the HR development uh, policies, really cram everything into a, a format that isn't really flexible. And what what do I mean by that? It's it's too structured. It's we we have job ranges and job positions that these are all jobs we're talking about that require certain ranges and and certain experience. If you go outside those norms, you basically are going to not be desirable because of the process. Rather than have a little swashbuckling fun with this whole process and become entrepreneurish in your thinking, we say, okay, look at, you know, your last job was fantastic. I, I, you know, what can you do for us? If I hired you for three, four, five months, what would you do? And chances are this person is going to sway you with some good good experience and good outcomes that why in the world wouldn't you try that? And he leaves or she leaves after six months. They would put a mark on the organization that would be positive. They probably would work faster, better. At least those are the characteristics you're looking for for this overqualified person. Why wouldn't you want them on your organization for six months? I know I certainly would. And and uh, you know the opportunities; those kind of opportunities don't come along very often. You know, you can, you should try things and have fun with it. So let's say you got a sales position open. Why wouldn't you advertise the sales position for? Uh, you could earn over three hundred thousand dollars on this job, and see what you can get. Put it in all the necessary and all the proper, uh, you know, places for for job. Uh, you know, review and the like, and see if you could find people. Just think of the kind of people you're going to get. Some will be wackos, some will be highly qualified. And if you're open to this, you can have some extremely good conversations and probably net a good person that could deliver. I don't know if it would be 300. depends on your company. The numbers aren't important other than the size of the numbers. Most people self-limit themselves. And if they're earning 50000 or 75000 in the current job, they're going to think that's about where they belong. And if they could get a 10% bump, boy, that would be great. Well, come in there with three times the amount, a job that's offering that potential, and see what you can do. That's fun. That's fun to us. At least it's fun to me, and I think I speak for Adam on that too. Well, you mentioned the swashbuckling thing, Jack. I mean, you know, we'll hear pushback. You mentioned a couple of pushbacks we'll hear in terms of, hey, the, the person's too expensive or the person's going to leave in six months. Or, well, hey, they're going to come in here, Jack, and they're going to learn all of the secrets of our business right. and then go Boy, and start their own company, up. right? Right. So, you know, we're our short answer to that is, so what? Okay, so what? Because they're going to come in and they're going to do some very, very good stuff for your, for your company. And if they're going to go do their own thing anyway, why not get six months or a year from Absolutely. them because they're going to add value to your organization. And chances are they probably aren't going to do that because, you know, look back how difficult it was for you to start and run your company. Mm-hmm. You know, again, once people start to kind of really dig into that, they realize it's not as simple as they might think it is. And so being being more creative, looking for ways to make things happen, and good good people, you know, you, know, you can use different sports analogies. You know, pick, you know, so, you know the, like uh, 
Here in Cleveland, we have a fantastic young baseball player named Ho- Jose Ramirez. I love Jose. All right, He's Jose is Jose is leading the league, or one or two, in I think three or four categories: some home runs and stolen bases, extra base hits, on base percentage. Um, and he is a tremendous bargain right now for the Indians. The Indians signed him last year to like a five-year deal that, based on what he did last year and is doing this year, is tremendously uh, it's way undervalued in terms of what what, what he's being paid. But that was a negotiation for them in terms of what was kind of going on, in terms of hey, you know, we'll lock you in and we'll guarantee you money. And he was a still a young guy; I think he was 23 or 24 when he signed that contract. Now, okay, we'll see what happens. But you know, wouldn't somebody else take him? Now, if we tried to trade him, wouldn't every other team want him? Absolutely, they would. Even though they know, well, hey, once this contract's up, he's going to probably want to go somewhere else. Like, so what? He's he's adding great value to the team right now. He's doing wonderful things. And let's keep him here. You know, he he agreed to that deal. You know, he's a grown man. He agreed to that deal. So yeah, you, there's lots of ways for these things to kind of happen. We have uh, several situations that, we, that as we're coming to break here, Jack. We can talk about as we come back from break about examples where we've kind of helped drop people in on a part-time basis. Some very good people that have helped tremendously with clients of ours, and we encourage people to be able to do that to, to be creative. To, to try to find ways to bring those good people into your organization, exactly. even, if, even if you view them as being overqualified. So there's some good stories we want to share on that front, so stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Quincini. We're business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. we got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way, so stay tuned here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. back at it here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. We're talking about some good stuff tonight here on the show. I'm uh, your co-host, Adam Sonhalter. And I'm the other co-host, Jack Mancini. we got to energize this place. Maybe we'll pick on Sean. Sean's our engineer here. He's he's all he's all uh, dotted out here with, uh, I'm not sure what he's wearing. I can't see him. I'm too low in my seat, and Adam's standing up six feet nine. So, hey, anyway... Why wouldn't you take a chance with, with some overqualified person who's coming to work for you because whatever reason, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you take a chance? It's not like you're shelling out a uh, year's salary uh, day one. This is a person who's going to be paid at your rates because you've negotiated it at your rates for as many months as you have them. It's, it's a wonderful way to make quick improvements. That to-do list that I know you have it's never going to get done by the at the rate you're going. Chances are you you commiserate with somebody like that, and all of a sudden that person said, "Hey, I did this, or I worked on these kinds of things," and they advance it a hundredfold, if not get it done completely. So it's just it, it's a different way of looking at it, and we like to pride ourselves in looking at unusual solutions and different solutions. So again, an overqualified person. Don't hesitate if they check out on all the other other uh, investigations that one has to go through today. Don't hesitate trying to cut a deal with them at your rate. you got absolutely nothing to lose and tons and tons to gain. So we come back to the creative piece a little bit we were talking before before break, Jack. And one of the ways we find to be to get folks beyond this the, their pushbacks and fears on this is to, to try it part-time first. So maybe you try a day a week or something like that. 
maybe it's two half days or maybe whatever it might be, but you know, get the person in and, and get a feel for them. To your point, you aren't making a, a, a sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollar decision about that. It's hey, do I want to pay this person a couple thousand bucks this month, kind of thing. You know, it's a, it's a much different decision, and it gives you a chance to get a feel because, you know, as we've discussed thousands of times, Jack, it's so difficult to communicate what a good person looks like and what they can do for your almost, organization. Almost impossible. you got to experience it. You just have to experience it. And if you, you have somebody in for a day a week doing stuff, you'll experience it in just that just that, that time. You know, we have uh, a client right now, actually, that's uh, got a general manager for two days a week. Now, he wants this general manager longer, and it was somebody, it was a personal relationship, that, that somebody that they, they, they've known for a while, and they brought this person in because you know, the opportunity presented itself. You know, this person was was leaving the prior employment, uh, had a lot of the skills as we were kind of laying out the description for what they were looking for. Um, you know, and, but this person you know was not quite ready to commit full time. You know, wanted to do some other things. So I said, hey, let's try to get this person for a day or two, a couple of days a week. Let's let's get a get a feel for them. And it's been seven or eight months at this point yeah and there have been some times where th- th- that person's come in for a third day during the week and done some more and been available but the, the the value that's been added has been has been absolutely tremendous and this client of ours would absolutely hire this person full-time and they, they've told them this when they're ready hey when you're ready you're looking at, if you're thinking about going full-time somewhere please let us know you know we'll you know we'll take you on and uh you know had a chance to experience it and see what was kind of going on We've had other clients where we, we've put people in similar roles, and so maybe they come in from a, you know, one of the roles we've put them in has been more in type, you know, accounting roles. Our folks have some pretty good, you know, background experience there, and those are, those are things that can be helpful where, you know, somebody can do it, um, on the off hours too. And you were mentioning before, Jack, you can be kind of creative. Hey, we'll work out something where you can keep looking for something else, and we'll 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 have you work here and we'll get things kind of worked out, so you can be flexible with the hours. Hey, here are the six things I need to get done this week, and you know if they can do it on their own time, maybe they, they do it in the evenings, right, or or some some off hours because they're you know they're finding ways to make things done you know, to get things done. Good people will find ways to make those things start to happen. That's right. So if you can define what those roles are, and maybe you start again, you start with some some more limited roles where it's part time, where it's kind of a day a week. You know, they come in and they'll ask questions, or they'll, they'll engage in ways. And what's good about good people is they bring a lot of positive energy an organization because part of being a good person is they have that can-do attitude they're trying to find ways to do things versus not to do things or, or to make excuses they're, they're trying to make things start to happen and that's a big part of what you do as an owner is trying to make things happen and the more good people you have like that the more things you get done and what's funny often they they'll find in that day or two a week that they bring that person in they're doing as much or more than many of their full-time people are doing in five days a week that's right. Their their skill level, their experience, basically allows them to be objective when they come in to a company, much like we are as business coaches. We we can see we can see better ways to do things right away. We can see shortfalls and the solutions because of our experience are easily forthcoming. It's not a big deal to say hey, this is how you got to really arrange things or rearrange things to solve this particular problem here. And all of a sudden, you're you're getting a good collaborator, and you're getting good ideas, and you're getting solutions presented to problems that have been vexing you for a while. And uh, that's what's so good about it. So strongly, strongly consider 
consider paying somebody and hiring somebody and cutting a deal with somebody who is overqualified. It's amazing how how that word, oh, she's overqualified, can absolutely shut down the whole hiring process for that person because it's just ingrained in, into business that you don't hire an overqualified person because they're going to leave. It's like everybody we hire, right? Everybody we hire is going to stay with us for 40 years. How crazy is that? You pick up people as they come along and as those opportunities present themselves. So get at it, man. That's a that's a refreshing take on it, Jack. You know, we were talking about this earlier today that it's often tough to get rid of people. You know, they 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 come in and that that's usually the mentality. We're going to hire you and hire you for life until you're done working. And by golly, they're going to work with you and fix you and try to you know once you're in, you know people will do all sorts of things that kind of keep you there. They'll work with you. They'll put up with certain things. They'll 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 they'll, they'll do things that that you and I on the outside are looking in going, you know, this is makes no sense at all and the the owner often knows it too from a logical standpoint but the emotional part gets in the way so picture flip that on the head in terms of your point jack i'm not bringing you in for a lifetime bringing you in for three months six months for a year where it's kind of more of a limited term engagement now you're open to more if that happens but again hey i'm we're going in with that 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 mindset hey you know we're gonna we're gonna be together for a short period of time here that's a well we'll hear yeah you'll hear other standard uh Objection, saying, "Well, that we're going to invest in training, and this person's going to, uh, you know, take that cost, and uh, it's ex- it's expensive to turn people over. It's expensive to have somebody quit after six months or three months. What a bunch of nonsense that can be, too. You know, if you put it all in perspective, what you're trying to get from a good employee is worth usually a lot more than the scorecard of of uh, of uh, salary and benefits." And if you do the analysis and you stretch it a little bit, you're going to see that you can get way, way more benefit. And plus, it's fun. It's fun to get things all of a sudden jump-started and, and concluded because you've been screwing around with some of these issues for years, many times. So get well, at it. Well, this Hire kind of good employees when they come along. Good employees are defined as probably overqualified. Take somebody who's got the... Uh, uh, wherewithal, the gonads to answer a, a job that's going to pay 300000 bucks. What kind of people do that outside of the, uh, we'll call it the elite? And why wouldn't you want to have a talk with a guy like that or a girl like that with an attitude? An attitude has to be coming with that, and it's going to probably be a good attitude. Why wouldn't you want somebody like that in your organization to drive everybody crazy in a positive way? Those are all very, very good, true things. You know, often where we see this, these people coming in, it could be any part of the organization. It could be in your product or service. It could be your marketing and sales area. It could be in your administrative area. Where we often see it is more in the administrative area. That's usually where the owners often need the most help to begin with because that's an area that um, most don't necessarily like or understand or don't gravitate to. And so they're kind of making it up as they go along in those areas. So your point about the training, Jack, so I'm coming back to here for a second, the training, well, again, however we're doing it here probably isn't right anyway. So I'm bringing this good new person in who knows what it should look like. And they're going to come in and fix stuff. They're going to they're gonna put in those processes and systems. We aren't training them. They're coming and training us. Right? That's, that's exactly It's almost like bringing, exactly bringing, right. that, bringing the hired gun in here for, for that, you know, for that you know, three, six, 12-month period, you know. And so that's where, again, the, the, the value comes in. And you know, until you get that feel for it, it takes a little bit of a leap of faith. And so what we're saying, again, picture, picture a day a week for a couple months, right? I mean, that's, that's a very inexpensive test overall, and trial, that's right. right? 
That's right. And you know, good people have confidence. They have confidence that they can deliver on what they're talking about. And so that's a way to challenge them, a way to get comfortable, and also the way to see if you can direct them properly. That's usually where some of the stuff comes down. It's It comes down from there's a little bit of paranoia. Again, the whole idea, hey, they're, they're going to leave anyway. They might start their own thing. And there's also that combined with a little bit of lack of confidence. Or again, if I haven't been dealing with a lot of good people or people are pushing back on me and challenging me a little bit, okay, well, you know, hey, you know, I'm the man here. I'm the owner. You know, you know, I, I'm supposed to know know all the stuff and have all the answers. And so there's often maybe a lack of confidence when, you, when it truly comes down to it in terms of, hey, I don't have the confidence to bring in a person who's that good and open the kimono here and show them how screwed up we are in terms of what, what's going on, right? Surprisingly, that that's very true. Now, I don't want I don't want my company to to uh, be surrounded and and uh, loaded with good people. I want to keep average to below average because it's going to cost me less per hour. That's what happens. And how silly is that? I want good people, overqualified if I can get them, and if I have any negotiation skills and the ability to inspire, I should be able to cut a deal for them. That's a win-win deal for both of us, rather than hire this. Uh, uh, wage person that basically has to fit the uh, fit the range for, from our HR department. Go at it, folks. That's right. All right. We're up against our second break here. When we come back, we have another question we're going to be throwing out there that you have to stay tuned for. We're going to shift topics here a little bit. So stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we're throwing stuff out at you today. Give us a call. If you want to be part of the program, we'll take you on or assimilate you, whatever the case may be. All right, we got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, you got it, Jack. There we go. He's getting the he's getting it down, huh? This is from your age, right? It's in the now 60s. You're going. you're going. That's right. You're going in the right place there, Sean. There we go. So we got some good music here. Welcome back to the second half here of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We're glad you're staying with us. If you want to be part of the show, you're always welcome. You can call us here in the studio, 440-946-9468. Again, 440-946-9468. We spent the first half of the show talking about Hiring overqualified people and why why you wouldn't do that, why most people don't want to do that, and all the excuses they make for not doing it, and we encourage different ways to go about doing it and shared a few examples of stories where that, that worked very, very well. And so we're going to shift here in the second second half of the show, Jack, to a different question. And something else that's kind of come up quite a bit here in the last, uh, the last week or so, which is how do I know what to do next? Or how do I know where to start? And people often get stuck spinning their wheels in terms of how do I what to know. They have an idea of what they want to do, but they don't know how to take the first step or to take the next step and you know, we'll, overwhelming. We'll, we'll flush that we'll flush that problem out by asking a simple question with anybody who we meet usually for the first time tell us about your company that's a simple question you've been running your company for five years ten years whatever it may be you're the expert you're the owner you should know everything so how do you present your company and that can be very telling. Usually the owners will, because they, they aren't asked to present their company, so they don't have to think comprehensively like this and take all the pieces, parts, and try to explain this stuff. That's what we do for a living. We've been doing it over 15 years. So they usually start to talk about their products or services, and that's pretty much where they go and stay. 
and they can't explain comprehensively their product or they, their their company. You know, the markets they're in, the product services that they make, the, the markets that buy and are, are interested in those product services, the administrative tasks, which are huge. How do all those fit together? Well, they don't know. I would say 75, 80% of the clients that we deal with, 1 to 25 employees, I would say it's that high, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. They don't know how to present their company because they can't explain it. They've they never been asked. Well, in their defense, Jack, they, they've never been asked to. There's never been, or very rarely do they have to. I mean, we were talking some earlier today where he had to present in front of a group. Even this was this was years ago. He talked about how he almost kind of blacked out in terms of just you know, recalling who was in the room, who people he met that day, because he was so so nervous and focused on what he was going to be talking about because it was so unusual to have to get up in front of a group and present what was going on, you know, what the ideas, what the plans were. And that can be very intimidating because, again, you aren't often asked as an owner to have to do that. You may have to fill out some paperwork or some other stuff like like that, but to actually get up and present and talk about it. And part of of what we see, though, too, Jack, and this is one of of your favorite phrases, is that people just don't know what they don't know. Okay, And that's a a very common thing with owners is at some point they, they come to the realization that they don't know what they don't know. And they start to search around and look for some answers. That's that's usually the first step. I, I you know, Adam, now that we're talking about, I would say, you know, the the big numbers, the big statistics about why companies fail, small businesses fail and go out of business, because of that, they don't command uh, a good understanding of the business, even the business that they've been operating for years, and eventually it careens uh, careens out of control, and they lose it. So, you know, it's a big deal being able to present your company and all the facets of business uh, because the same stuff that goes on in your company, a small one, is the same stuff that goes on for a major corporation. Same stuff. More zeros, more people, and basically it's, it's no different. The same concepts, the same categories. So why shouldn't you know those and be able to manage and, and plan your business accordingly? You're right. Now, when we're asking the question, you said, you know, tell us a little about your business to present, and we're listening for certain things. And so what what should you know? Because, again, there's a lot of things that we don't know, a lot of things I don't know, a lot of things you don't know, and a lot of things that owners don't know. And we don't need to know everything. The question is, what things do you need to know about as an owner? And, you know, often you're, you're learning on the fly, reacting to stuff, putting out fires, whatever whatever phrases you want to use, but it's 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 maybe not as as um, the word I'm looking for where you, you aren't necessarily going out and doing it strategically it's just kind of it's more reactionary versus hey I'm trying to do this on purpose to learn about these things and get better at them and so what we try to do with, with, with our coaching and we share a lot on this show too is we try to keep the world real simple and we look at the world through the three circles of business and the seven keys to success and so if, you're, if you've ever been to our website if you haven't just go take it you know you can pause the, the podcast or if you're Write this down if you're listening live. If you go to MaximumVP.com, there's a link there for the MVP playbook. And underneath there, you'll see two links uh, you'll, that I mentioned, the, the, the three circles as well as the seven keys to success. And the three circles and seven keys help to keep things relatively simple and to help provide a certain calmness and clarity to the owners as far as what they need to focus on. So those three circles are product and service, which every company has. We've got marketing and sales as the second circle. And the third one is administrative, which is all the other stuff. And everything going on in your company fits into one of those three buckets. 
And what we help people then focus on is we sort of break those down into what are what we call our seven keys to success. The one that Jack was talking about a little earlier was the seventh key, which is presenting. And you present the first six keys. Okay, it starts with the vision. Where are you trying to go? Ten years out, you know, you are wherever you are today. If you're if you're at six employees, you're doing half a million dollars in sales today. That's fine. Where do you see yourself ten years from now? There's Ten no years from now, yeah. There, there, there's no right or wrong answer to that. It's a question of what you what do you want to do? Do you want to you want to double that? Do you want to triple that? Do you want to have ten times that? Do you want to be exactly the same? Again, there, there's no right or wrong. The question is, what do you want to do? And you sort of set, set the framework for here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And you aren't going to have hardly any of the answers for how you're going to get to whatever that vision is going to be. But it's not, this is what I'm trying to get after. And I can now articulate it relatively quickly. You know, in a, in a couple of paragraphs, maybe maybe a minute or two, if I was presenting it to talk about here's where here's where we see the company kind of going, and you and you get excited about it, so you can sort of see what you know. Here's where we're trying to go. Everything we're doing today should somehow plug in to making that vision a reality. That's right. That uh, clarity of vision is a very very empowering step to take. So you're you're going into the office every day or the factory, whatever you might be doing, and all of a sudden, you, you have a good sense of what you're doing. The hows, as Adam said, uh, will come. It's the whole idea. Do you want to be on a big stage? Or do you want to be on a small stage? If you're working with us, we, we have to have an idea of if you want big or small because that's going to uh, change the outcome of the coaching that we do. But you can get anywhere you want to go if you're committed and you have the knowledge. And we can give you the knowledge. And we've done it with hundreds of people before. And we get great satisfaction out of doing that. But that's what you need. And what's the next one, Adam? That's, uh, so that's the first one. seven that's, keys. Yeah. So number one is, uh, you know, we've kind of bookended it now with the seventh one being the presenting and number one being the vision, the 10-year vision. And again, let's come back to answer the question. Again, our, our question opened in the segment, Jack, was how do I know what to do next? And we're trying to focus you as the owner that part of your job, you know, we talk about the, this whole concept of, of plan, direct, and control with, with, with our clients. But, you know, if you look at the three circles and seven keys, that's what you as the owner should be working on and, and doing things. So vision's one of them. That's, that's key number one. Number two is, is that first step, that first year in that 10-year vision, which is your profit plan. And that's what people often refer to as a budget, which is the worst word in the world. Oh, my we're, God. We're talking yes. about profits, making Terrible profits. Word. So being able to forecast out your sales and your expenses and being able to, 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 to predict that. And, and people are often amazed. You know, we, we get all kinds of pushback from, from our clients initially on, oh, I, you know, we can't figure out what, you know, what we're going to sell this year or what things are going to cost or what we're going to make. I mean, I mean, we have no idea. You know, we, you know, we just uh, historically, if they do any planning at all, you know, hey, we'll just put a, a goal out there. Hey, you know, I like to grow 5, 10, 20% this year. Let's kind of see how that goes. We'll throw a goal out there and see if we can hit it, right? And that's it. They spend 10 minutes talking about it, and then they kind of move on. Clients are often amazed at how predictable things can be. And it's rare, very rare, that during the course of the year that our clients aren't somewhere within, at most, 10 to 20% of, w of what they planned, either positive or, or, or negative. That, But at least they're within that kind of a range of being able to predict where things are in terms of what their their, their plan was and what, and what things actually you know wind up being, and it's tremendously empowering, tremendously. Again, it's not the crystal ball looking in and just totally guessing because again, if you've been around for a little while, you have a, you have some history here to start to be able to, to to project and forecast these things, and it can be very empowering. And if you see it, it, it can help to focus your activities. 
not just for that year, but for the, the quarter, for the month, for this week. Okay, what are we doing to make these goals a reality? And it's a great way to get the, the team involved. They can see what they're doing day to day and how that can impact that plan. It's a fantastic way to get everybody rallied around what's going on. So that's key number two, profit plan. Third one is the marketing plan. Marketing is what drives that top line of sales. How are we getting our sales in here? What are we doing from an activity standpoint to be able to do that? Who are we going after? How do you define what a good customer for you is? Oh, you, you have a ream, well, ream, way more than ream. You, you have a, a, a tremendous amount of information if your company's been around to just start analyzing your markets. And the best way to do that is who have you been selling to and what what kind of industries are they in and are they in and there are a lot of a lot of ways to uh get this pegged and analyzed and categorized where all of a sudden you know the industries that are buying your product more than others and you have a list of companies that basically will direct you this is all marketing now into areas where now you can develop a list of targets and from that list, you can start to grow your sales. And that's really what marketing slash sales is all about. And this relates to your products because you have to rationalize what products you're going to make and why. Who's going to buy the friggin' things? If nobody is, and we know a lot of engineers, mechanical engineers especially, they like to uh, invent and get patents. And these products never quite make it out into the marketplace. They end up uh, going into the drawer of of wherever uh, that person's office is. You know, to understand marketing, you have to look at your products and there has to be some research. And if your company's been around, you're a huge, huge step ahead of the competition. All right, so let me come back and circle back again. So we're asking the question, how do I know what to do, what to do next? And we're trying to focus you as the owner on things you should be working on. So we've talked about our three circles and our seven keys. We're going through our seven keys right now. We've touched on four of those seven keys. Numbers one, two, three, and seven. So the vision being number one, the profit plan being number two, marketing plan being number three, and the seventh one was presenting. And presenting is presenting the, the, the other six. So we're, as we're talking through this, and again, the idea is if you're stuck somewhere, you're unsure what to do next, part of what we want you to understand is the thing you're stuck with right now, is it fitting into any of these seven keys? If it's not... Then chances are, are it's not that for? yeah it's not that yeah. important. If somebody else should be dealing dealing with it or put, push it aside, and you should be focusing on something else that relates to these seven keys. Those seven keys are powerful, powerful stuff. You should learn them. Go to our website and check them out. Yeah, if you hit the you know, before we hit the break, it's maximumvp.com, m-a-x-i-m-u-m-v-p.com, and the MVP playbook's the link there, and you'll see a, a link for the three circles and for the seven keys. You get some nice little graphics there. Be happy to kind of send those to you, or you can pr- you can download them and print them off yourself. They're they're very very helpful, good visuals for you to kind of to, to, to look at. So, all right, we'll we'll finish up on this topic here in our in our in our last segment, which is coming here after the break. So stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sunhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini, and we are business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. All right, we've got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way here. So stay tuned on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. All right, here we are, last segment. 
on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Appreciate you being part of the show and listening and hanging in there tonight with us. Talk about some fun stuff as it relates to, to people. And then you as the owner, and how do you know what to do next? So we got some good other insights here as we're going through, Jack, in the, in the last segment about how do you know what to do next and, and kind of keep moving forward. We're talking about some of our seven keys to success. So we've hit on four of those keys, yes. one, two, three, and seven. So um, number four is the organization plan. So we've gotten through some of the vision and the profit plan and the marketing plan. The key question now is how do we organize all this stuff in the organization plan? Not everybody knows what an organization chart looks like. What does it look like? I think the best way to describe a bunch of boxes and lines connecting boxes and who's doing what to whom and how, who reports to whom and it's how good. does it all work together? It's kind a of good. a flow, a a flow or a flow chart. Yeah, it's a good, good explanation. That's what it looks like. A bunch of boxes connected. Who reports to who? I'm trying to think of uh, what was the old game, Space Invaders, or no? There's yeah, they had like little Atari. guys, doing, yeah, some Atari stuff that maybe looked like it, yeah, kind of yeah, kind of going down or centipede a little bit, kind of whatever it might do. You, there's different <laughs> visuals you can get to look at, but uh, the organization plan part, of, a big part of that is the organization chart. We're big fans of the functional organization chart, which is trying to get the duties and it comes duty again. Wait, Jack, Atari, sorry. Atari was blowing up those boxes. Yeah, is that a bad thing. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. The first several iterations. <laughs> no, it's one of those big words again, but people understand it. Right. That's all right. So, so getting getting the 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 the, the job duties and 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 what those roles all entail, kind of laid out without people's names in them. Right. So, kind of laying it out, and here's all things that have to get done or are getting done. And uh, what happens is the owners often find their when they do start putting names in the boxes, they start to find out that their name is in way too many boxes, or they find some of their other key people are in way too many boxes, and starts to identify what things aren't maybe going well or why they aren't going well. So, getting the, the organization plan, part of that is that functional org chart, but a big part of it too is is how do you communicate with your team, and do you have regularly scheduled meetings? You know, it's funny, Jack. You know, I was talking to, to Shannon the other day, and there's a new uh, CEO over at Cleveland Clinic, right? Who's Toby Shannon? Cosgrove. Huh? Who's Shannon? My wife. Oh. That one. No, I want you to. For the audience, I got <laughs> yeah, you. Thank you. I didn't know who Shannon was. That's right. He's right. helping the audience. Thank you, Jack. You're welcome. So there's a new, there's a new CEO because Toby Cosgrove retired after, what, 13 years. So there's a new guy that's there. And would you believe it? One of the things he instituted, I think it's a weekly meeting now, where it's kind of an all-hands meeting of the, of the key parts of the hospital, that you know that he is getting the update to have the pulse on what's going on every week. And something that, that wasn't being done. Yeah, hey, I'll bet you he took that from our program. Well, <laughs> it, yeah. As simple as, as it sounds, but it, it, it's it's added a tremendous amount of energy and, and, and w- what's kind of going on. And we have clients. We, we you know, we've had you know, we've been, both been involved obviously with, with big corporations. Jack, we have a couple of clients that are actually bigger than the one to twenty-five, and those simple things often don't exist there either because right. because meetings get bad names. And we're very big fans of either having combinations of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual stuff. And it's got to start somewhere, but the communication is a big deal. And our clients are often amazed that what a well-run daily touch can do or a weekly meeting might do, where, again, you're, you're, you're communicating with the key people in the organization, so people are on the same page. It doesn't need to be dragging on for hours at a time. It can be a five-minute, ten-minute daily touch. It can be you know, maybe an hour-long or half-hour-long weekly touch where it's, it's updates about stuff. And these tend to be more update meetings as opposed to Working meetings, yeah, little status meetings, update status, right. So it's amazing how much more smooth things can go, and these can be a combination of 
in person or people are on the phone, but again, everybody kind of getting together. In, in today's disparate workforce, it's okay to get a conference line. If I've got three of us in the room together, we'll be on a speakerphone, and the, the other five are dialing, and that's fine. But we're all there, and we all have things to talk about, and we're now hearing it, and we, we can then disseminate that, that information to the rest of the organization, but we're, we're aware of what's kind of going on. And it, it gives a place for things. So if we have a daily touch, I know, you know I, I can wait till tomorrow morning to our, to, for our daily call to talk about. I don't need to interrupt you and, and stop whatever you're doing right now because I have something in my mind that I want to tell you before I forget. Well, I'll make a note and I'll, I'll make sure I bring it up on the call tomorrow. Right, right. So it provides a place for all that stuff, which, which is fantastic. So the organization plan covers that as well, not just the, the, you know, the who's doing what, but you know, how do you communicate with, with your teams? And then also a big part of the organization plan comes down to, to, to kind of systems and procedures terms of documenting how you do things here. That's a big part of what we talk about here in terms of knowing what you do next. We're very big fans of documenting stuff, kind of getting things out of your head, getting it onto paper, onto a whiteboard, onto a flip chart, but getting it written down somewhere so we can see it and add to it and tweak it and make it make it flow better, but getting it out of people's heads and getting part of the organization. Well, the, the challenge we have, and uh, we, we see it with many of our clients, they don't know how to start this. You know, what should I do next? So they, we start to, to have them develop a functional org chart, and they end up, some end up with pages and pages of stuff, others not so, so voluminous. Voluminous, gotcha. Thank you. And, uh, um, but, the, you know, that's the starting point. You get all these activities. You know, let's say you're the owner of a company that's been in existence for five years. Well, you're getting business. You're generating products, you're generating sales, you're, you have accounting, you have issues, and, and uh, so people are doing something. You have recorded sales with your accounting and a profit or a loss, hopefully a profit, and these things are, are all swimming around and swirling around your organization. So we want to capture them and put them in a visual, and that's what the functional org chart is. And once you start to rearrange these boxes, then we start to see voids. We start to see things that need correction. And you, you put together a, a chart that shows these reporting relationships of who's doing what. And there's overlap. There's complexities to it. But for the most part, this is extremely powerful as well. Because now you know, because these, these things will, will flow into your performance appraisals, however and whatever system you have in place there. And these things will, will basically drive the company in a more organized way. You're going to have answers between the profit plan and the org chart. You're going to have all the information you need to talk about hires, to talk about increases, to look at your, your better employees, to look at workload leveling, to uh, take on new projects. It's just, it, it gives you all those answers. I don't know how you can run a company without a a profit plan and an organization chart. I don't know how you can do it well. But it's being done, Jack. It's being done by a lot of folks, and that's part of what we say. The focus comes down to a lot of those things. So we got a few more minutes. So I want to get to the, the, the other couple of keys, Jack, before the end of the show here. So we've that was number four, the organization plan. Number five is leadership. And that's where we're working a lot on you as the owner, first of all, but then also your 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 next lieutenants for the folks who are um, your key folks. There's leadership development. It starts with a tool we use a lot called DISC, D-I-S-C, which is a behavior assessment. So understanding yourself, understanding those around you in different ways. 
but setting the culture for the organization. I think you mentioned that earlier in the show, Jack, about setting the, the, the culture. How do you want to do that? And, and the, the culture will often follow, follow leadership in terms of how you are and how you're directing the organization. So if there's problems in the organization, oftentimes you, know, you don't have to look any further than looking in the mirror. Usually it has to do with you as the owner. And so we spend a lot of time with that. A big part of what we do with our coaching is help to tell the owners how things are. Because many owners don't know how things are. People aren't telling them how things are because they're the owner. They're the boss. They're the man. They're the ones who are signing the paychecks every week. So people don't often uh, tell you as the owner exactly how things are. But there's a lot that you have to do in terms of being different at different points in time. So things that maybe are going to be a little awkward or uncomfortable for you, you have to get better at to, in order to be an effective leader as part of an organization. Whether that means being you know, inspirational for a team to kind of go or being a little tough on somebody, whatever it might be, or somewhere in between. But you have to get out of your natural state at certain times in order to be an effective leader. It's a very, very important part of making you successful. Yeah, there's no question about that. You know, they, you, you, you have to wear many hats, and that, that means you have to take on different roles at different times because you are the person. You are the person who makes it happen or not. And then key number six is cash forecasting. You know, f- uh, for the next 90 days is what we prefer to get to, but even if you start with a week by day, you get seven days where you show positive cash. Then it goes to two weeks, and it goes to a month, and it goes to two months, and it eventually goes to three months. But to be able to forecast out, cash is the lifeblood of any business, especially a small business. And many small businesses wind up playing the bank for some of their customers. or They're holding receivables for months at a time. And it can be very, very taxing, very stressful for the for the, the ownership especially to be able to be, be under some pressure from a cash standpoint. So be able to forecast out cash is very, very key to know you're going to be cash positive. And so the seventh key, as we touched on before, is the presenting. It's presenting those other six keys and talking about them. Not just talking about your product and service and what you do, which most people love to talk about, but talking about the overall business stuff. And for you, in terms of knowing what to do next, you know, how do I know what to do next, which is a question. Well, if you aren't focusing on your vision, your profit plan, your marketing plan, your organization plan, your leadership development, your cash forecasting, or getting better at presenting these things, you aren't focusing on the right things as the owner of the company. If you have something else you're stuck on and you aren't sure what to do with it and doesn't fit into one of those seven, push it aside, and there's guaranteed there's plenty of other things to do within those seven keys for you to be working on to help not only you get better, but your company get better and the people around you get better. All right. We're up at the end of the show again, Jack. We are, Adam. It goes way too fast. We didn't have dinner at Dino's tonight either. So, I mean, I don't know how you explain that. It went by very fast. Yes, it did. All right. Well, we thank you for being part of the show again tonight. Um, You're invited to tune in every Monday. I'm sorry, every Wednesday, not Monday. What day is today, Jack? Feels like a Monday. It's Wednesday. All right, 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We're here every every Wednesday. If you want to get a hold of us in between, shoot us an email, radio at MaximumVP.com, or give us a call, 877-849-0670. If you miss any of this show or any previous shows, you can subscribe over at iTunes, or you can go on WINTradio.com in the archives, or go to our website, MaximumVP.com. We've got a radio show tab there as well. You can uh, subscribe to those things and listen to them, and please leave a review. Hey, learn more Dirty Secrets of Small Business next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. Man.